sports meets beer. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Ben Perry. That is Brad Barmore. You have clicked on the Sports Meets Beer podcast. By accident, probably. Probably. It's probably stick, like when you go to stick like, with us. You go stick like with us. Thrillist, and like always, there's like the ads that pop up when you're ready to click next slide. We don't have that kind of budget. It what popped are you up about? like the whole thing. It, yeah, you probably did that by accident. <laughs> Nobody comes <laughs> to the show. We Nobody comes have. to the show willingly. <laughs> well, here we are. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, as I said, hey, look at flannel guy over there. My name is Ben. That is Brad. Nice. We are recording live in studio at Brad's restaurant. So not really in studio. It's our mobile studio. Suit suit studio. And, and by Phil Collins. Taylor keeps. Would like giving us like, hey, can you wrap this up? We've no, got the serious dinner. eye roll. I just yeah. clowned Port. I just clowned the, the vice president of Portland over there. And the- <laughs> oh, Portlandia. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, this is episode number forty-three. Uh, we, later on the episode, we will uh, we will go over our process. But uh, you know, we dedicate every episode. Not to, to be confused with the Philadelphia 76ers, The process, Joel Embiid. No, yeah. What this is, this is uh, we started around episode sixteen. We pick out an athlete. Uh, whose jersey number corresponds with the episode number. Um, sometimes the arguments are heated. Sometimes they're really indifferent. We just kind of flip a coin because nobody gives a shit. But, you know, it's just one of those things. So episode 43, you'll have to stick around and find out. Uh, but that's uh, that's what we do. And if this is your first time tuning into our podcast, you know, this is, uh, this is something that we've uh, been doing now for just a little over a year. Uh, obviously, Sports Meets Beer, we do talk about uh, the core four sports. Uh, we talk about barbecue and food and trends we'd like to see and things we don't like and all that good stuff in between uh and all that while we talk about beer and review some beer Be- so, beer there's yeah. beer you it's said beer, beer. I did. there's beer sign me up for beer there's beer she's carrying beer she's carrying a keg of beer it's very impressive maybe don't use your back so much a little <laughs> more knees maybe need some help yeah. two you sure two guys sitting down because i'll let her cut the keg move the keg because I'll, I'll 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 do it online or i'll do it on the air right now nice Anyhow, Sports Meets Beer, stay tuned. Episode 43, part one, coming your way. Do it. Episode 43 in the house. I don't know how to say that in Spanish. No. Or German. I should probably stop saying that. I think this is probably the third episode where I've said that now. Second. The dos. I think actually since 39, I think, because I don't know (laughs) know how to say 40 in Spanish. (laughs) New material, guys. New material. <laughs> well, we're here, forty episode forty three. Uh, if you didn't listen to episode forty two, uh, please do. It's uh, listen pretty, to all of them. Yeah, go back, listen to, do a binge listen if you have time. <laughs> uh, but check it out. We were in, uh, we were driving down. Uh, we were taken down to a San Jose Sharks game by Elite Excursions. Uh, helped us out a little bit and uh, brought us down, and and uh, we were able to have a good time uh, and get home safely, which we did in fact get home safely. We did. That is a fact. Hence, we, we are here. We are here talking now. Right. No limps, no injuries, nothing. Um, um, actually, um, I do walk with a limp, but that, I think that's just because my left leg is a bit longer than my right leg. And that's unrelated. <laughs> unrelated to the Sharks game, unfortunately, right. which unfortunately the Sharks lost. They get destroyed. They get destroyed. They, just, they were not skating very well that night. And the, uh, you would know that by the evidence of the not very filled Shark Tank for a team that's on a playoff run. Oh, my God. It was bad. We're going to get... Uh, Aiden Labat on here pretty quick. Yeah, we got to talk to him and, and get him, get him on this and and uh, discuss the problems with some of these professional sports teams selling out stadiums. Well, I don't think it's these. I think it's the Sharks specifically. He's gonna yeah. break down why they're fucking it up. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, so episode forty three, Brad, take it away. Who's our guy? Who's our athlete? Well, 
as most weeks, actually most weeks, some weeks aren't that big of a deal. But this week, we had a little bit of a discussion. Um, but it it just came down to, you know, as it always does, who is the more revolutionary player, really, at their position. Um, and it came down to two guys. It came down to Troy Polamalu and Dennis Eckersley. Troy Polamalu, two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, I think when it comes down to it, uh, he might, as fast, as freakishly fast as he was at that position, um, I think a lot of times he was put in a position to succeed because of the system that Dick LeBeau had there. Yep. Um, and, you know, he was surrounded by great players. It's, I'm not saying that he's not a great player. He's one of the top probably five to ten defensive players in the history of the league. Um, you know, eight-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. I would know. say even in his later years when he you could tell, I mean, it was visible that he could lost more than a step. Right, but he was a smart player, and so he stayed relevant, I'd right. say. Right, right, right. right. Um, but the guy we're going with, uh, nicknamed Eck, uh, Dennis Eckersley. Eck. Yeah, now I can already hear some of it. Uh, some of the thing. Well, he wore a couple different numbers. He wore one number for half for three quarters of one season, and it was he wore that number because of a trade. And then the guy who wore his original number was traded right. away, and he was able to wear forty three again. So you just go ahead and let that rest. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, spent you know twenty one seasons uh, between the Indians, Red Sox, Cubs, A's, Cardinals, and Red Sox. He's a six time All Star. He's a World Series champion eighty nine with the A's. The AL MVP in 92, AL Cy Young Award winner in 92, ALCS MVP in 88 when he was four perfect saves um, in that thing. He was the two-time AL Relief Man of the Year, two-time MLB saves leader. He also is one of the few guys to actually pitch a no-hitter to win 20 games and to save 50 games in a season in separate seasons. Um, He's one of the only guys in the history of baseball to do that. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer on 83% of his ballots. Ballots, uh, He had kind of an interesting career and grew up in the Bay Area, was really hoping to be drafted by the Giants, ended up being drafted by the Indians, Um, started started his career as a starter, had some success, um, but uh, actually went to Washington High School in Fremont. Um, threw a no-hitter in 77 against the Angels. Like I said, one of the few guys to actually have a no-no and 20 wins and 50, 50 saves wow. um, in his career. That's impressive. Um, when he was with the uh, Chicago Cubs, um, he uh, went 6-11 and in, I believe it was 86, 85. I'll have to look at it. They sure as hell weren't singing that Go Cubs Go song then. No. Um but he checked himself into rehab for alcoholism. Um, apparently, his family took a picture of him around the holidays um, and, while he was drunk and then showed him the video the next day, and then he checked himself in the following day. Wow. Apparently, he was just kind of a mess. Um, but he was uh, traded in 87 to the A's. LaRusso wanted to use him as like a setup guy, and um, when the actual closer got hurt, he stepped in at 16 saves towards the end of the year, and then the following year had 48 saves, I want to say. Let me look. Hold on. Yeah, 45 saves, um, and pretty much just locked himself in as a dominant closer. Um, and then in 88, uh, in the um, World Series, Game 1 gave up the home run to Kirk Gibson, and he coined the phrase, walk-off home run, a phrase we hear all the time now. Right. Um, the walk-off home run, because uh, Kirk Gibson was rounding the bases while everyone was walking off the field. Yeah. That's what he said. So he is credited with as the guy who made that up. I'm glad it wasn't uh, referred to as a fist-pumping home run. Yeah, or like a broken ankle home run. Yeah. That's kind of what was going on. The Weeble Wobble. <laughs> the Weeble Wobble. Um, <laughs> Eckersley was incredibly dominant because of his control. He had a really high leg kick. Um, he had a really pronounced sidearm um, motion. Really good accuracy. Uh, Hall of Famer Goose Gossage once said he could hit a gnat in the butt with one of his pitches, <laughs> um, which is pretty great. Uh, he was also really demonstrative, which rubbed people the wrong way. He was always had the fist pump and like the really long sort of, um, at times I kind of thought it was really 
like fake, but he really had like the long, like you know, the excessive the stare in, yeah, 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 all that kind of that. stuff. Um, but uh, you know, he uh, he ended up being uh, one of the most dominant closers because of his control. He was a four pitch guy when he um, was a starter, and then it, by the time his career was done, when he was and it, at, he was at the height of his powers as a closer. He's really only throwing throwing three pitches. Um, uh, two pitches, I guess. He, he his fastball had a lot of sink to it, and then he would throw a backdoor slider, and he was just able to control it so well that that was kind of the end of it. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, his brother Wally Eckersley was convicted of attempted murder and kidnapping and sentenced to forty years in prison in nineteen eighty nine. Well, we are not dedicating this to Wally. Definitely not Wally. No, we are not. I think we're going to take this to a, this podcast to a really dark place if we start. We wouldn't honoring. want. To, we wouldn't want to murder the momentum of the podcast. No, we would not want to slay. Our progress made thus far. <laughs> attempt to slay it anyway. That's right. We don't even know if he did it or not. <laughs> um, just con- attempted murder. Episode 43, Dennis Eckersley, the Eck. Eck. This one's for you, buddy. There we go. We won't be drinking anything in your name because you're in recovery. We keep that yes. as, We keep that close to our hearts, Eck. That's legit. <laughs> and because I got to go to t-ball practice in a little bit. <laughs> that too. But that's, that's neither here nor there. He's playing t-ball. It's awkward. Yeah. yeah the kids will respect me. Uh, <laughs> Episode yes. forty three. Yeah, here we are. Let's do it. Uh, so here, you know, we've got, man, we got some crazy times going on. You know, we, here we are in March. Uh, you know, middle of March, just just after St. Pat's here. A uh, lot of lot of you know NBA's heating up. The excitement oh. of spring training. The Warriors are back. Everybody, as I told you, they would be fine. Right, the Warriors oh, are man. fine. They've Warriors, played- are, you know, they're back in form, and it just you know. To me, it, it, and, and you can speak to this better than I will, but my, my insight is that, you know, the, the coincidental nature of everyone's, you know, the key players dropping off and Durant's injury are, are to me, unrelated. I think that, you know, because going into when, when KD got hurt, Curry was already showing signs of not having the best game. No, when I say the best games, uh, or the stats we were used His to. His shooting was off. Right. Mechanically, his shooting. Same was thing off. with Clay Thompson. He was off a little bit. Uh, it just didn't seem, you know. And Draymond was trying doing his best to to, and he was still being a monster on defense. Yeah. Well, you know, they they played, you know, five games in eight nights and eight cities in twelve and eleven days or something yeah. like that. I mean, it's just it's not. You never want to you never want to use that as the reason, but man, is it sure a huge factor? Well, let me put it this way: so uh, football, you have a week's recovery, right? You, yes. have, you have a week, and right now, one of the Sometimes. big one we of the big weeks. well, yeah, one of the big uh, controversies is the Thursday games, right? Right. It's a short week. It's not smart. It's not a, It's not good for safety. Um, most of these guys, you know, if they like, if Curry were to play, like, you know, go the entire season, knock on wood, without being injured, um, and then he got his, you know. Two games of rest. I mean, what's how do, how, I don't even know what the math ends up working. He was going to end up playing. Um, let's see. Oops. He's going to play eighty out of eighty-two. It's ninety-seven and a half percent of his games, right? Um, you know, do you know like you know Brandon Crawford, for example, and Giants All Star shortstop, just played for the uh, Americans in the World Baseball Classic. He played one hundred and forty games last year. Do you know what percentage that is? And nobody accused him of. Nobody accused him of uh, being soft or taking too many games off. You know how many, how many, what the percentage of games that is? No, it's eighty-six. Eighty-six percent, right? Nobody said anything about Crawford taking time off. This is actually a Bob Fitzgerald argument that I heard the other day that actually made a lot of sense to me. Um, 
you know, these guys go 35 to 40 minutes as hard as you possibly can. Start, stop on the, you know, on the hardwood. It puts a lot of pressure on your joints. Um, I already know what's coming. Hockey players play the same type of schedule. They have the same type of travel. You're right. They do. Um, but they're playing three and four minute shifts at a time. Right. And there's not nearly the, the pressure on your joints. You don't hear, you don't have nearly as many like ankles and ACLs and things like that. They're much more, uh, they're much more injuries of blunt force trauma right. and pulled muscles than they are of any kind of like you know joint issues. So it's not really which unrelated. I don't want to derail what your your progress, but I'm surprised there's not more concussion protocol in hockey like there is in football because I mean their helmets are even thinner and it's just those impacts are crazy. Yeah, but they're not really spearing each other like quite as much. And you're also like you know you're also not taking the brunt of it because you're not planted into the ground, so the shock absorption is a lot different. Gotcha. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there is concussion protocol. I'm just sure it's not nearly as big of a deal. Right. Um, not yet. But in any case, with these guys resting and, and all that, that, that stretch of um, you know eight games was tough. It was going to be tough with Durant. It was particularly tough without. Then you had Curry. He was kind of struggling from the floor. Um, I also think that Curry had gone most of the year. I don't want to say that he was de- you know he was sort of defaulting to Durant, but Durant, you know, is a he's a guy that can get baskets. From the perimeter, he can get to the he can get to the rim whenever he wants. He can get to the free throw line. So even if he's having an off shooting night, he still impacts the game offensively just by having the ball in his hands. Um, and so Curry was sort of like I said, defaulting probably isn't the right word, but um, you know you go from having that luxury to not having it anymore, and now you got to create more shots off the dribble and just the your rhythm is changing yes. in a particularly tough part of the schedule. And you go through these peaks and valleys. I mean, he had like a rough stretch last year too, despite the numbers that he ended up putting up. There was a time when you thought, man, he's not really, like right before Christmas, you thought, man, he's not really putting up the numbers that he was in his MVP year. Right. And then he went on the rest of the way and was, you know, was a unanimous MVP. You know, they played, it's a tough schedule. It's on the road. It was Chicago and Washington and, um, in Boston, and you know, they 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 played some tough games, and I think now you know they had a scare in Philadelphia, and then since then they've played like fifteen straight great quarters. The yeah. fourth quarter against Philly, and then they you know they've just demolished everybody since. I mean, the Oklahoma City game was those guys haven't shown up, so it's and now it looks like Durant's gonna be back. It's funny about, too because that's like those are the kind of the biggest squeakiest wheels <clears throat> are the OKC. I mean, I know it's in they're bitter. Because of, of Durant, but it just feels like those are the ones that seems to have the most chippiness in the game. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, they do. You're right. And it's, you know, it's for no real good reason, frankly. You right. gagged a 3-1 lead away, right? The Warriors don't take shots at the at the Cavs all the time, no. right? The, but Oklahoma City sure takes a lot of shots at the at the Warriors. Yeah. And, you know, they, you know, they ran their mouths. They were, you know, doing their thing. I don't know if you've watched any of the game on Monday night. I ended up catching the highlights. Uh, uh, the best part was Steph Curry and some guy I'd never heard of got into a little shoving match. Westbrook stepped in and started pushing on Curry. Draymond came head hunting and yeah. guy I'd never heard of. And Russell Westbrook started to hide behind coaches. And Draymond kept coming. It was like <laughs> if you guys, I mean, if you guys want to act like this, let's act like this. Right, let's handle it. Um, but the Warriors are fine, as I knew they would be. They've played well. They're getting their their benches had a lot of run recently, so they're getting some good quality minutes from Ian Clark. And um, even though Livingston hasn't played particularly well here lately, like it's another calming presence. Um, Iguodala has played really well. I really like Javale McGee. Yeah, Javale's <clears throat> played great. He makes some silly mistakes from time to time. Still defensively, like his job is literally to sag off the pick and roll and make sure nobody gets to the rim. Um, we saw a little bit in the game against um, Dallas, even though they won. Uh, Nerlens Noel was able to get to the rim with 
off of the pick and roll a little bit too easily. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just JaVale like not respecting that or making like a mental error. It might be both. Um, but you can't do that against the Cavs because because no. Tristan Thompson, LeBron James, those guys will kill you around the rim. Yes. Um, no, you can't really even do that against it, Oklahoma City, frankly. It, well, you know, but to be quite honest, like I just I liked it. I liked his development so far because he was he, he's not getting he's getting season. so much more time. Uh, you know, obviously with the injury of, of Durant, it's allowed him to the luxury of getting more playing time. Sure, because they need his length and his athleticism on the on the floor with no Durant, right? Right. Um, he's played great. I, I it's he he's been a very nice. Off, that's only thing he's been, he's been a very <laughs> nice surprise. Um, and I say that he still makes some silly mistakes, but if all you need him for is twelve minutes a game, then you can live with a few silly mistakes here and there. Right. Right. Um, if you're relying on him to help close games, that's not good. <laughs> you know, I mean, unless he really steps up to the next level, so. In any case, yeah, Warriors are good. World Baseball Classic ended last night. Go USA. That's crazy. USA. That was awesome. Um, if you are an old white person who can't stand all the show of emotion that we see, um, that we saw in that tournament, um, guess what? That's where baseball's going. So suck it up, Buttercup, or find another sport because I just don't. I mean, we've talked about the argument. bat flips on this show before. Yeah. Um, it's an old stuck up thing. Play baseball the right way. It's a game for fuck's sake. It's a hmm. game. It's supposed to be fun. Right. So you see Javier Baez did some, you know, like uh, they were playing, uh, I can't. I think the Dominican Republic, but Javier Baez was, you know, he's playing second for Puerto Rico, and he took a throw from the catcher. Somebody was trying to steal, and before the, th- the throw got to him, before it even made the tag, he's already pointing at the catcher as if it was a great throw because he knew he was going to get him. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. You know what happened if that happened in a major league game? He'd get beamed in the head. Like, it's so, <laughs> like but that stuff is so fun. Like it. You, and even the the American players, like they showed more emotion in this uh, in this tournament, you know, on just even what would normally be like run of the mill plays. Like they showed more emotion than you would normally see stuff that's like not playing baseball the right way. Well, you know, I, you know, as a as a as a casual spectator uh, of baseball, to me, that's the kind of stuff that's the excitement. That yeah, you're, I mean, you know, obviously people talk about you know the duration of the games, right? They're trying to speed things up. They're trying. I mean, that's just all sports in general, trying to make it right. as fast as possible. I can I can handle uh, you know a little more of lags and and some lulls when those peaks are there. Those that excitement, like that makes a that makes a good play great to have that kind of excitement, and enthusiasm, and see that. And I'm I see nothing wrong with that, right? You know, celebratory nature is. You know, I mean, it's what's right and what's wrong. I mean, you know, obviously the NFL can teach you that uh, there's there's good ways and, and bad ways to celebrate. But, you know, it, for what baseball is doing, it's not even close to being excessive. Not yet. No. I mean, get down that road. It's going to take a long time before that, that develops. But I, I like the way I like the direction it's going. You know, I think, you know, home, you know, watching your home run for an extra half a second, celebrating like these are big league hitters. They're big league pitchers. I know you're supposed to act like you've been there before, but these is like the top 1% of the top 1%. And if you hit, if you get a hit or score a run or hit a home run against somebody who's in the top 1% of 1% in his position, you should be happy that you did that. Right. And if you're offended that he did that to your guy or to your team, well then your guy should have fucking gotten him out. (laughs) Like just, you know, maybe make a better pitch next time. You don't have to worry about it. He's not showing you up. He's celebrating the fact that he was successful. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, it's funny. It's, it's no one has a problem with it in the, Olympics, right? And then talk about the top right. 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Right. I mean, that's it. You're talking about the most elite athlete that gets there. I, I see nothing wrong with that celebration. It's just an old, like I said, it's just an old. I'm trying to teach Jack how to do a bat flip from T-ball. <laughs> see how that one goes over. 
it's just it's an old school I, I i say it just really to inflame people but like it's an just an old white stiff approach to baseball it's like hey here are people from other countries who are arguably more athletic than the than the generation of predominantly white players that came before them and now we don't really like it right right because they're not playing our way yeah sounds um, like an argument my oldest would have yeah uh you know it's funny in and go back to t-ball real quick you're gonna love this 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 kid on on his team uh, you know, his, guy, his dad's got he's got the gear and this kid is can <laughs> throw better than I can, can probably hit deeper than I can. And I was, we were doing our first practice with hitting and the kids were fielding and uh, he pulls out. He goes, oh, I have my own bat. I said, you can go get it. Go ahead, buddy. And he's got his own helmet, the whole deal. Yeah. Pulls out the bat. It's big and yellow. It's a yellow like Easton T-ball bat. And I look at him and I go, hey, your bat looks like a big banana. <laughs> right. And I take a step, step away from the tee and he looks at me and goes. You're funny. And then he just cranks a freaking home run. I mean, this thing would have been out of a miner's field. I, love I mean, it. just jacked it. I'm like, oh, I can see who's batting cleanup for us. I love Holy it. Holy moly. Anyway. I love it. This time of the year is great because, you you know, it reminds me of being a kid, right? We talked about this when our boys were playing basketball together. Yeah. You know, the squeak of the shoes and the sound and the smell of the gym floor and all that. And then now it's like, you know, the dust, like the smell of the grass. Yeah. The sound of it, the, you know, the ping of the bat, the bats and stuff. Um, I went and got my first springtime bag of sunflower seeds and ate that at practice on Saturday. It was great. Nice. Yeah, it was great. Well, uh, speaking of proud dads. Speaking of proud dads, that is an excellent segue. <laughs> uh, what do you know about little homie LeVar Ball right now? Uh, I, I know that the most recent thing I've read is that his dad is equivalent. Uh, well, so Lonzo is the son. LeVar is the dad. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, LeVar. Uh, he is comp- comparing his son to Magic Johnson. Is what he against? I guess Stephen A. Smith freaked out. Surprise! I know there's a big shock that Stephen A. Smith goes off on a rant and yells. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't watch that mess today because I didn't want my head to explode. Um, but uh, Lavar Ball. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can let's see if I can find some of these awesome things that he said. The quotes. Yeah. Uh, on Thanksgiving, Lavar Ball said. Uh, that UCLA, he guaranteed UCLA on national television, no less, uh, guaranteed UCLA will win the national title. Not that big of a deal. Overzealous dad. People say that kind of crap all the time. Yeah. Um, then he said, um, then he said, my son Lonzo will only play for the Lakers. And then now he tried to back out of it. He said, all I said was my son, was my boy was going to play for the Lakers. I'm going to speak it into existence. If I just keep talking about it, it'll be positive. Um, so he obviously, that's what he wants. Um, uh, he said... Which would be great for the last place Lakers. Right. Um, then, you know, he said that his son was better than Steph Curry. Um, he said that his son could beat him one-on-one. Now yeah. he's going. he's been in, getting into it with LeBron James. Um, I did like, you know, LeBron when, when speaking about LeBron, the success of LeBron's kids. And he's like, hey, keep my kids and my family out of your mouth. You shouldn't be talking about that. Yeah. Uh, keep my kid's name out of, my, out of your mouth. Uh, they got into like this big beef. Uh, look, I, I take it back. Lavar said that he thinks he he would have quote cooked Michael Jordan one on one back in the day. <laughs> Charles Barkley called out Lavar Ball and challenged him a one on one game. Now, uh, I don't know if that's the best move ever, Sir Charles. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, maybe I, Sir Charles should challenge him to like a sandwich eating contest or something. Now, I don't know if you've had a chance to see Lonzo Ball play this son. Very little. Uh, he's got a very like unorthodox, jerky, almost clumsy jumper that goes in a lot. <laughs> um, he is. Other than that, though, he is. He's ice cold. That guy is a. He is a baller, and all three of his boys can play. Yeah. Um, Lonzo, this son is going to be. 
he's going to be a, a top five pick, probably the number one pick, um, in a decent draft. Well, at anything, this is all this is doing is upping his value. But I, that was what I was going to ask you. That was what I was going to ask you. If you're the general manager of the the Lakers, right? Because it's it's either the Lakers or the or the Nets are going to have the number one pick. Actually, I take that back. If the Nets get the number one pick, it's going to be the Celtics that get the number one pick. Uh, now. Obviously, the Celtics already have Isaiah Thomas. Do they need another swing guy that needs a ball in his hands? Uh, that, that's another argument altogether. If you're if you hold one of the top three picks, right, and Lonzo Ball is there, and he is a top tier talent, but you know that you're going to have to deal with this dude who also said that he wanted to get a billion dollar shoe deal when all three of his boys make the NBA. He wanted <laughs> to get a billion dollar shoe deal. He also I don't know if you know this, uh, La, uh, Lavar Ball also has uh, his own. Um, fashion line and he's selling $60 t-shirts uh, and it is called Big Baller Brand I was going to say overpriced t-shirts.com uh, yeah it's a $60 t-shirt and it is an incredibly average looking t-shirt but anyway you know we've seen some overzealous dads in the past we saw you know Eli Manning you know Archie Manning basically yeah. told Eli he wasn't going to play in San Diego right uh, yeah. then he got traded um, you know we've seen um, Cam Newton's dad, remember, got him in trouble because he was basically selling his son to the highest bidder in college. Yep. yep. Um, we've seen some of this kind of stuff happen before, but now you've got this guy, and I think the media is feeding it. The media is as small a fishbowl as there's ever been. Um, you know, so this stuff goes viral much faster than it ever did before. Obviously, this guy, LeVar, he's creating a brand for his son. Yes. He's creating buzz. So there's some genius there. But if you're the GM who holds the pick, are you at all concerned about having to deal with this guy? Uh, I mean, yeah, it, now it's unfortunately you have to think about the family. You have to think about the distraction. Um, but I think the bigger issue is that I'm not saying that Pops can't think of this himself. This sounds to me like it's a, it's a, it's a meeting with an agent or someone from marketing that is absolutely doing this stuff to help drive his value. Because the more, <clears throat> the more that it's talked about, good, bad, or indifferent, his name is is in is in the paper. His name is on, you know. I mean, just look in the last week. He's been on every the discussion of every single sports show. Yeah. So how is that? I mean, it's one of those things. I and mean, obviously, his play can back up some of the claims, not all of them. Well, the thing is, is that when you look up, if you just put in like ball into Google, if you just put in ball, the first thing, the first thing that comes up. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that comes up is freaking coaching LeVar Ball's ho- sons inside the high school's most uh, chaotic 30-3 and three season. Coaching LeVar Ball's sons. I mean, he's the first guy that comes up. Right. Um, well, at this, you know, the, the, the reality is that at this level, once collegiate, you start to, you know, high school, you're involved, hands-on, you're, you know, you're meeting with the coach regularly, all those things. Collegiate, you're there at every game and you're a presence, but once you go to pros – there's no way that GM's not going to put up with that shit, and they're gonna. He's going to get a good money contract, and he's going to be all these things. But he needs a strong-minded coach, a disciplinarian-style coach, a Belichick, if you will, a, a Steve Kerr. A, right. You know, you go through the list of of qualified coaches. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I don't. It's hard to say if if Luke Walton's going to be able to handle that at a, as such a young head coach. Well, see, I would say that that's not really a Luke Walton issue, like. That's front, think, it's front office issue. Yeah, that's a Magic Johnson issue, right? Because, you know, now you, I, I am I going to be negotiating with Lonzo's agent or am I going to be negotiating with LeVar, the right. man that's selling $60 T-shirts and also named his kids LeVar, LiAngelo, and 
something other goof, something with an L. I'm guessing. Yeah, something else that's goofy. He took a, a page out of George Foreman's book. Yeah, um, you, know, you know that's the thing is, but the front office absolutely this needs to be it'll be curbed quickly, and he's gonna he's gonna ink a, a huge deal, and it's, he's he's probably gonna go top. He'll go one number one, number two. Yeah, he's a top talent. There's no dying, there's no denying that. Uh, but no, I, I I think all this this is this is a calculated move, especially with the way that the media has evolved and how they report and how they, you know, between the, just the overuse of Twitter. I mean, you think about when when uh, uh, LeBron James was out. You know, Twitter was not even a splash yet. Now, could you? And he also, you know. Actually, his dad was not really around in the picture. And his mom, think, about, think about Cam Newton. Remember, his mom got in trouble for dry. You know, she, he, and she both had H twos while he was in high school. Yeah. Um, my favorite ever, though, is that uh, the, you know Twitter and the internet was not as big then as it is now because Delonte West, who was a teammate of LeBron's when he was with Cleveland the first time, mm-hmm. uh, Delonte West banged LeBron's mom, and that would never really turned into like a. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Delonte West is awesome, um, but I guess. You know, good for her. <laughs> That's all I gotta say to that. I just I look at this thing and I'm like, I'm like, God, you're putting so much pressure on your kid, man. Like, I guess you have three sons, and are, the youngest one apparently is the best of the three. Um, you know, so I guess like one of them is bound to hit at the, you know considering the level that they play at. But like, you know, what happens if they flame out? There's a strong probability they'll flame out, and they're gonna flame out because of the pressure. As a dad, at some point, like you know, it's one thing to push, but one thing to be overbearing and and to just completely. I mean, I I saw it from my dad to my brother, pushing him for golf, and it was the same thing. My brother burned out and didn't want to play. Yeah, see, I, you know, we've seen this to some degree already. We've seen it with Tiger Woods' dad. We've seen it with Ven- Venus and Serena Williams' dad. Um, you know, sort of these overzealous um, fathers. We've seen it. I think both of them though were more of uh, they were viewed as a disciplinarian. Right, like being hard on the kids versus being so hard to the like, but they also the media sources weren't there. Well, and I, at that I, time. I you kind of you you kind of you know you kind of bring up what I was getting at really is that you know you, we've seen them Excuse as these me. overzealous dads, but like not in such a way like not from this like marketing standpoint. I mean, this is crazy, and I think frankly, if there was no one and done rules, if like if there was not a rule that you had to be one year removed from your high school or you had to be one year removed from being eighteen, I think that we, this would never happen. He would just go straight to the. Oh, absolutely. He'd go straight to the to the NBA, and that would be the end of it. Um, but like, what do you? Th- I mean, ultimately, what do you think he's trying to accomplish? I mean, this this is just a cry. I mean, the sixty dollars T shirt tells you this is a, this is a money play. Uh, I need is, money. Yeah. Well, it's not even the fact that they need money. It's that our value is X, and our duration is probably Y, and so we want to equal Z. Like this is what we're looking at, and then he's he's in his head, he's extrapolating. I guarantee he thinks all three of his kids are going to go. And there's a yeah. strong chance they are, just based on the name. I mean, do you think that? I mean, if David Carr didn't have a, such a successful uh, to come out when he first came out of the NFL, do you think Derek Carr would have gotten as much chance? Derek Carr played well, but he wrote, wrote a lot on the name. There's yeah. a lot of people who have names that name recognition helps a lot. Sure, I mean, you're going to draft this kid Carr from Fresno State, right? That right. early in the draft, like you know, yeah. There's a lot to there's a lot to you're trading on the family name that exists. Yeah. Exist. Oh, absolutely. Right, right. So, I mean, the chance of all three, uh, all three going, um, you know, and and if I the only if it was for the health issues of Manning's other brother, he, apparently he played was a hell of a player too. Yeah. So, I mean, you look at that. I mean, it's you got Watts Watts little brother is coming out. Gronkowski's brother is coming out. So all these guys, it's, it happens more more times than I think people realize. But I think this is he is absolutely looking at the money play, the big play, and he wants to be. 
he wants his son to be the the Curry. He wants him to be LeBron. He wants him to be in that and and you know whatever. I I think I think this is a I think this is a deeper calculated move. That's not. I think they've been talking about this probably since you know his junior year in high school about the how are they going to utilize everything possible to get him the most money possible to be the biggest star ever. Well, I, you know, it's funny. Like, I get the sense, you know, I haven't listened to a lot of it. I just, I read it. And so it's, you know, it's some, of it, some of the nuance gets lost in translation when you, you know, read it as opposed to listen or watch him say it. But, you know, I, I think that he's just a guy that has always said big, dumb things like that, right? And now yeah. somebody put a camera in his face at a UCLA game on the Pac-12 network. And, you know, he said it and it caught fire. And, and, and someone now, grabbed now it. Everybody and wants a piece. Right. Just a, a couple other things that he said. Uh, well, and also, to, just like real quick. Everyone wants to be the one to break the story. Yeah. Everyone, Everybody wants everyone, to get him something stupid. Right. Yeah. They want to get him to, to be a moron and say something. Uh, he said, and I quote, uh, com- on comparison, uh, his son Lon- or on comparing his son Lonzo to Magic Johnson, Lonzo is more athletic than Magic, blocks more shots, and makes more steals. Lonzo is Magic with a jump shot. Uh, I've seen Lonzo's jump shot. <laughs> He's a great you said it. You said it was shaky, it's right? It's jerky. Yeah, it's he makes jerky, a lot of shots. It. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't look pretty. Um, on comparisons of Alonzo to Jason Kidd, the way you compare him to Kidd is he likes to pass, and Kidd and, and <laughs> Kidd and Lonzo are both light skinned. But Lonzo is taller and longer. He's got a better jump shot than Kidd. He's more athletic in how he jumps and catches lobs back door. Um, Jason Kidd did not have a great long jump shot when he came out of Cal. No, that just he didn't. But he worked on it. He ends up he's one of the top ten three point shooters of all time, right? In terms of number of threes. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of a silly thing. I I do love that he said they're both light skinned. Because uh, that yeah, means something. On his son's upside, Jesus. Ball said, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, but all three of my boys can go down as the greatest player ever. Lonzo is better than what Michael, what Michael was doing in high school, and he's better than what Michael Jordan was doing in college. He's only 19. He's got to get past Jordan's six titles and get to seven to be the greatest player ever, and I think he can do it. Wow. On UCLA's chances against Kentucky, Ball said, I already said UCLA will win the national championship, and I'm not going backwards on it now. With Zoe, the chemistry that UCLA has better is better than what Kentucky has. Oh my god! Uh, seven titles. Your expectation of your son is to win seven NBA titles. Well, I don't know if he said, he said that he's got to get to seven to be, but to be the greatest player ever. He says he will be the greatest player. He have to get to seven. I think to get he that. can do it, right? Yeah. And I, he didn't say he will do it. Yeah, I think he can do it, right? I don't think there's anything inherently wrong in saying that. I think I can tie my shoes without getting out of breath. Some points. Yeah. <laughs> putting on my socks is the hardest part of my day. Nah, that's the easiest part. Nah, just mash. I, have, I, I have really stretchy socks. I, get, I bend over, just mashes all my my insides <laughs> together. <laughs> oh man! No, I I think that the the pressure is incredible. No one wants to let their folks down. You know, it doesn't matter if it's your mom or your dad. You, you know, and obviously, traditionally, dads have been the more pressure of the two. But it's one of those things where it's so unnecessary. This is so. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, like, yeah, all three are going to get signed, but chan- probably two of the three will flame out at some point. And, you know, you get a, you get a young man with all that money. It's and this is, you know, it does. I mean, the best of kids, you know, with that much money and that much, you know, notoriety are just it's a it's a it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, man, because there is a certain amount of like, you know, at what point, you know, at what point, like, do you just. Like you just flame out almost on purpose, like out of spite, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, so. I don't know, man. It's so tough. I, I, I know that 
that uh, my kids don't have that kind of talent. I can tell you right now. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not terribly worried about overpressure on them. But even if they were the best at the sport they were playing, you know, the to me the most important factor is I'm having a good time. And I think that that's sh- the ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah. Well, I uh, I wanted uh, when we go do our sh- our tweet of the week segment. I wonder how many are going to be about Levar Ball. Oh, absolutely. I, that'd be a great I wonder. Over, an over under. I wonder. <laughs> nice. All right. So that's about it. Uh, thanks for checking this episode out. Make sure you check us out on our uh, all of our social media avenues. That'd be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All of them are Sports Meets Beer. Uh, you feel free to email swell as well, sportsmeetsbeer at gmail.com. And uh, also check us out on Untapped, yeah, which we need to be more diligent at doing that. Every, every episode I've been doing it. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, we got some uh, upcoming uh, in episode forty three, uh, part two. We're gonna be uh, tasting some delicious beers, beers uh, from Heretic and Firestone, beers. Uh, and then also talking about uh, Brad is actually gonna get a little egg on his face on this one. He's gonna retract something on a critical statement he had made earlier last year. A perfectly cooked egg, <laughs> because I used this new piece of equipment that made them perfect. <laughs> Nice. (laughs) Anyways, that's us, uh, Sports Meets Beer.